0: Uh, um, so what, what do you guys reckon we do for this intro? Don't
1: know. What really? we
0: got? Got any plans? You're, uh, the, you're the creative one, Rich.
1: Yeah, I did have a few quirky ideas, but oh, I don't know, man. They're a bit extravagant, I think. <laughs> I know it's do all you a about you know. Over the top, are they son? Yeah, I know it's all about bit antivirus stuff and all this jazz, but it might be a bit too corny, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah know, I like, so. Corny 2012. Corny 2012. Yeah, exactly. I exactly.
0: I suppose, like
2: I suppose that. so.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know. What do you think, uh?
2: Well, I mean, as long as we can end on... Uh, this is... <laughs>
0: Welcome to Steedcast. This is episode six of season three. Is that the right season? It season is the right season. Good God. Yeah. How time fucking flies. So today unfortunately we haven't got Sean with us. Uh hopefully he'll be back next month, but he's just got some uh what's he got? Some prior engagements, I think. Prior engagement, is his son?
2: yeah. Something Christ. like that. He's got yeah, yeah. That's what he would say if he was here. Yeah. yeah, Christ.
0: So before we get into it, uh how how are you guys? What have you been up to? Very well,
2: thank you, all three. All
1: right, yeah, uh, not bad. Been we, up
2: too uh, much? How are you
0: doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bigger, son. It's getting bigger. Uh, 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 we,
1: uh, we went out, well, three of us, me, Gareth and Short, went out for Borough's 35th the other day.
2: Celebrated my in, 35th uh, anniversary Bristol. of uh, being born and whatnot. It's <laughs> my birthday, yeah. 35 yeah. years old. Now you'd never think it. They would never think it.
0: God, you travelled mm-hmm. all the way over to Bristol as well, didn't you, I heard? Bristol, detail, yes, yeah. Bristol, Craft Beer Bristol.
2: Uh, Haven, Bristol, uh, lots of uh, beers and things, beers and whatnot.
0: Oh, brill, 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 that's what we like and, to use, uh, and do you enjoy?
2: I certainly did, weather was on our side, it's, uh, uh, yeah. in in, in, uh, in my hometown at least today, uh, it's been permanently dark all day and raining, so it was nice to actually have some sunlight and uh, where we could and whatnot, and uh, yeah, it was very nice.
0: You know, I'm I'm actually not minding the rain these days, considering I'm like growing peppers out the back and all that. So good for I don't, the even, peppers, exactly, very don't have good to go outside peppers. anymore. I How a, are the peppers doing? They're doing really
2: well, actually. Tell me to go grab one quick. If you've got time, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, by all means. <laughs> I'm gonna go show up on pepper. <laughs> by all means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, for the benefit of the tip, uh, Tom is going to show us uh, some of his peppers he's been growing. He's got various. Different peppers, I believe, all different types, uh, different sizes. I don't really know anything about peppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go You just God. waffling to kill time. <laughs> That's shot that does not it. So I got this um. one.
0: I call this one the twin because uh, there's there's two in this one. I don't know if you can see. That's two peppers. There's two. There's two different pepper plants that have grown grown in one pot. So pepper two breeds pot. then? Is there two
2: breeds of peppers?
0: I hope so. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like if they did uh, kind of cross cross colour like that'd be awesome but uh, it's going well son, it's going well first oh, yeah. time I've kept anything alive for longer than a week so <laughs> so what, what are your intention with
2: all these peppers then what, what are you Are you, you going to like you know use them uh, culinary or uh... oh,
0: good god I always yeah always make with fresh ingredients so you got to make with fresh ingredients Gordon Ramsay will fucking tan your ass otherwise what <laughs> the ingredients yep we we we'll probably make some lovely uh, campfire stew out of this make some lovely um Oh, God. Pepper's going everything, son. Everything. I could eat them raw as well. If I fucking love them. Like. Kyline the reapers, is this, son? Huh? Good God. I have got an jalapeno plant as well. I, I don't think... Do you, sh- no, I'm not going to get that one. <laughs> 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 Be <Bear laughs> with. Tom Pepper. You got Tom Pepper yeah. Um. Christ.
2: Ah, well, you know, we've all got our hobbies at the end of the day, haven't we? So there how we it goes? Well, yeah. There we how goes? Tom is very... Tom, very much into tea as well, though, aren't you? He can't hear me a minute. <laughs> He's gone... Hello, Tom. Hello, hello. Yeah, I was just saying, you very much into tea as well, aren't you, Tom? Uh, into into tea, heavily into tea. Like I love them, my tea. Right.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about looking into how you um grow grow your own tea. I know it, it comes from a tea leaf, obviously. Like so. The tea leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- shouldn't you know, I I wonder how much you need to actually make a brew. You know, I don't want to be brewing something for like two years to come up with one cup of tea.
2: Well, you've got a bit of garden space for it, son. You might be alright.
0: Exactly. All right. exactly. I looked into pineapples as well, but apparently one pineapple takes about two years to grow. Really? Is that possible at in at all, the UK? Yeah, though? it only bears one fruit every, you know, every. What? Crazy. Oh, are, we the, are, we climate, are, are we got the climate? we got the climate? They fruit? do oh, look do. really cool when they're growing, though.
1: You should. You should make some pepper-infused tea leaves, son.
0: Pepper-infused tea leaves. Imagine that. Oh now we're cooking hybrid. Yeah. Now, now we're it cooking. Revolting. I would better be honest with <laughs> you. I've got spiced imperial tea, which is literally spiced tea, which is that's fucking lush. Like. Love that shit.
1: Love that shit.
0: Okay, so, anyway, have you guys heard in the news about this fella, John McCaff? shouldn't Certainly have, son. Uh, yeah. McAfee, 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 McAfee. McAfee, I think it's McAfee. I've I've always, I've called him John McCaff, I don't know why, uh, but it is McAfee, You're right. But, um, good God, he's dead. Oh, Christ. I have you, son. I, I have you, son.
2: Um, definitely, um... But uh, what have what you got what, what, what to say
0: on the matter? there? Oh, well, pretty much, son. I've written up his entire life story, if you want to hear about it. Entire life story? Pretty much, impressed. yeah. Start to finish. Bit of a, yeah, a bit yeah. of an A to Z on John MacArthur. Are we good to good to dive in? By all means, son. Uh,
2: in on, son. All Rack right,
0: on. grand. So, his early life. So, I was born as a baby on the 18th of September, 1945, in a US military base at the Forest of Dean, Gloucestershire. My father was an American soldier who was stationed there at the time, and my mother, who was born and bred British, though after my birth, we moved to Virginia, America. You'd think there'd be a difference between the two countries, but there's not that much. I feel as much British as I do American. The life of a soldier in the US Army must have taken its toll and been pretty difficult, as when I was 15, my father actually took a gun and he shot himself in the face. Christ. Pretty grim, as you can imagine. So I did not know that. I did not, a bit of background you? on his father. Uh, there's obviously not much out there, but apparently he was like quite abusive uh, throughout. You know, I, I suppose in like 1945, men were different to as they are. They they, they had yeah. to be tougher. they? No, it, the it's, it's, it?
1: it's a different world. It's a different yeah. world back then. But like, yeah. um, sorry to go on a little bit of a tangent, but you had like, I I learned not long ago that I think the UK was one of the last. Well, it was the last place in Europe, anyway, when they were still in the European Union, to abolish uh, caning in schools, yeah, and stuff God. like that. Yeah, and that was like in the eighties, was it?
2: Eighties? Oh God, yeah, caning in the grand scheme of things, that really was not long 90s. ago.
1: I think it was eighties in public schools, and then nineties in private schools. I think that's. The distinction that is stopped, you know, and that's, that's quite that's, really recent. when we think uh, about it?
0: That's not just beating your kid; it's other people beating your kid. Like, yeah, is, yeah, 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 mental. Yeah.
1: And they did they did polls um, on whether people think it's it's worth it, <laughs> and whether it makes a difference. And the results were in favour of Canin by like more or less the same margins as Brexit. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> so, says a lot. you pay yeah. all over. yeah, I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: so. So, go. after the death of John Mc- McAfee's old man, there wasn't much to do but for him to turn to drink and drugs himself. So, life thereon became a whirlwind of drink, drugs, college, and girls. As if, you know, that's the life of most teens and early 20s. But at the age of 22, in 1967, he received a bachelor's degree in, tele- in mathematics from Roanoke College. Where later in life, he would, reserve- he would receive a doctor of science degree in 2008. So, fresh from college, he applied for jobs here and there, but his first notable job was with the Missouri Pacific Railroad. And he remembers talking to Wired Magazine, and this is where he kind of transitioned from the drink and a little bit of drugs to more serious drugs. So, he used to go to work tripping on acid for like days at a time. And one day, he was sold some DMT, and he sniffed a line. Uh, he didn't really feel much off that one. So what he done was tip the whole bag out and sniff the whole thing in one fucking go. Jesus. So, man, all fucking hell broke loose. So, the Wired article, then. Uh, I think I may be able to find that for Rich to kind of put up on the screen. Yep. So, we got... People were asking him questions, but he didn't understand what they were saying. The computer was spitting out train schedules to the moon, but he couldn't make sense of it. He ended up in a garbage can down St. Louis, hearing voices and desperately hoping that nobody would look at him. He never went back to the Missouri Pacific. Part of him believes that he's still on that trip, that everything then has since been one giant hallucination, and that one day he'll snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis, listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. (laughs) <laughs>
2: great,
0: album. So, great I think... album well. <laughs> <laughs> so i think for as well so i think that like that is an introduction to to McAfee says a lot about about who he was as a person i'd say oh yeah but can I, can I, can i just jump back in a little bit he, he was born in, in in the uk then you say forest yeah. of dean born born in the forest of dean on a us military base this was during uh, coming to the close but uh, just after the second world war but yeah u s military base in the forest of Dean. his father was american and his mother was british so when when did when did the family uh
2: relocate then or, or were we not aware of this
0: uh that would have been when he was when he was uh a teen is it or something i think it was uh he was a kid uh wasn't he? Th- after my birth we moved to virginia america yeah. i think it literally like a, a nipper, oh, okay. like a a, a wee nipper yeah. yeah yeah okay Okay, to so all that taken into consideration. By the way, I just want to check it out there. I may swap between the first and sorry, cameras this way. First and third <laughs> person, <laughs> uh, because I have actually written this as like a memoir diary style, as I as I may have said at the start. So it is actually all in first person. So I may may flip out and for there. I'm on a bit of a, a bit of a split personality. Uh, I am John McCaff. So, all that taken into consideration, I landed a gig in NASA's Institute for Space Studies in 1968. And considering we landed the first people on the moon in 1969, as you can imagine, the place was abuzz with excitement for the so, Apollo yeah. program. It was a prime time, that's, time so, that's exactly it. So, he actually worked on the Apollo program up until 1970. So, yeah, he worked on the Apollo program. According to Wikipedia, I... Did find a little bit of conflicting information on this, but let's just say he worked on the Apollo program, according to Wikipedia. So at the age of 24, he went to work in Univax as software designer and later to Xerox as an operating systems architect. So this ate up the time then until about 1978, where he joined the Computer Science Corporation as a science software consultant. So the consultant then led him into Booz Allen Hamilton. Now, apparently these are a pretty big firm. I, I, I've i heard the name before, but I'm not too familiar as anyone.
2: Mm, never heard of that, no, not no, 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 no. fair. So that was in
0: 1980 to 1982. And I appreciate that the names and all this are boring to the listener, but they're relevant to the life So so I just chucked it anyway as fuck it, you know. For so that me. said, it was after that where things started to actually get a bit interesting. So John McCaff then, he was around 37... In 1982, when he left Booz Allen, Allen, that's hard to say fast, Booz Allen Hamilton, and jumped ship to Lockheed. This is where he met Brain, and life changed dramatically. So Lockheed, Lockheed Martin, you must have heard of them, like, in passing at least.
1: What What do they do?
0: Uh, I haven't actually got that written down. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, heard, <laughs> I've heard of uh, Lockheed, though. But... Yeah, they're just like uh, software developers at that time, they were. So, Brain was actually the first ever computer virus for the PC. And it fascinated uh, McAfee there. So, it was the first real opponent that would challenge him in his field. And from there on, dedicated himself to battling Brain and develop his own software to combat the virus. And funnily enough, the prototype only took him about a day and a half to write the code for, to fight the Brain. And it worked. A day and a half how feasible is that that's these smart. days rich
1: it depends how good you are i guess so if you like shit <laughs> okay. hot then yeah <laughs> i couldn't fucking do it i tell you that much but uh, j- just to jump in as well tom lockheed martin is an aerospace and defense
2: company okay
0: okay so defense i imagine that's why he was introduced to brain them.
2: defense yeah defense that's what it is state state defense in uh headquarters in bethesda maryland okay.
0: bethesda ah. yeah. bethesda you see the first I do. So in 1987, Christ, he must have been about 42 years of age, Well that's when he actually founded uh, McAfee Associates. 42 years of age, I you know, and then then his life started to come together. That's cool. He was but a lot it, later in life.
2: That goes to show, though, that some some people think, oh, you know, I'm I'm too old to do this now. It, it goes to show that uh, you know anything achievable
0: at, at any yeah. point in life. Exactly. Age is just a number, but yeah, exactly. absolutely. That's cool. But that's cool. In in non-epstein circles. so so 42 years of age that's when he founded McAfee Associates and sold the first antivirus software to market and he had a good ride in the company Uh, it incorporated in Delaware in 1992 and they had the initial IPO which is initial public offering in the same year so apparently workers have since described the environment of the business as essentially like a a, a cult like atmosphere and there are interviews of the old employees uh, describing it as just that So people are saying that they would work for days at a time. Some people sleeping under their desk just to make the boss happy. And that's, you know, the the sex parties aside. So there was a group called the Little Foxes, right? And they would give points for having sex in different spots in the office. McAfee was a free spirit and the company just like resembled that as it was. Takes a new definition to work out, play out. I guess
1: <laughs> fucking hell man Damn. come on the puns like <laughs> Jesus so what was it they, they, you said they got you said they got points for it yeah
0: yeah they gave points for having sex in different spots in the office
1: was there like did, did they give a breakdown of where these specific areas were more points and less points
0: in in some interviews there are uh, like I think like manager's desks and all that like I
1: imagine like uh, offices where they're just, you know, offices that are just windows for walls. <laughs> yeah. I bet they are high points ones, like
0: proper exhibition and, like, yeah. Good
1: God. And then, like, toilets are probably worth the least amount. <laughs> and cupboards, all those things.
0: I don't know, that's quite impressive if you can have sex in a cupboard.
1: I think reception desk would be a high point there as well, because it's like front of house.
0: <laughs> yeah, right there, someone coming in, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately, though, things went sour for McAfee and McAfee and & Associates. And in 1994, sold his Romanian stake in the company and wanted no further dealings with it. But he, you know, it's estimated that he made more than $100 million throughout that anyway. So, the original brainchild, which is essentially what it was, you know, it was a child between McAfee and the virus himself, brain. So, eventually went through many mergers and ownership changes until Intel bought McAfee in August 2010. It took them four years until they rebranded all McAfee-related products as Intel Security. So that made John super happy. Uh, He remembers releasing a statement that said something along the lines of, I am now everlastingly grateful for Intel for freeing me from the terrible association with the worst software on the planet.
1: Christ. I'm sure they still use the McAfee name, though. I've, I
0: thought I've that as well, yeah, it surely yeah. was, yeah. I don't know if it's just my age showing, like... Life between John leaving McAfee and the acquisition by Intel, that was a bit of a whirlwind as well. So just as he left in 1994, when he was the ripe age of 49, he started a company called Tribal Voice Incorporated, where they created the first internet instant messaging chat platform for Windows. Great. So, like, that's two major fucking milestones in IT... What was it called again? Sorry, Tom. It was called Tribal Voice Incorporated, but... I don't remember that. They, they, they called the actual platform, they called it Powwow. Powwow. So, though Instant Chat's now taken for granted, they pioneered many of the functions still used today. we got voice over IP, a shared whiteboard, built-in speech synthesizer, uh, WAV sound file playing, online transmit, offline transmitter of instant messages, sorry. And they were the first company to allow a user to drag and drop files, which is like... That's to amazing. be the first company to do that, that's fucking huge. Oh, God. So that, like, revolutionized file sharing. They also had interoperability between AOL and MSN chat platforms when they eventually caught up. Like, I, I think on MSN, you could only speak to MSN people, couldn't you? Or could you speak to AOL? No, I no. think it was just MSN. MSN it was, contacts, all was, yeah. yeah. So why the you, fuck wasn't everyone on Power? like? I, I like you said. It. I'd never heard of it. No, it
1: just never took off. Did it? Like AOL was uh, AIM, wasn't it? You had AIM. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I can remember a distinction back in the day where a lot of people in the UK mainly used MSN, and then most of America used AIM.
0: Yeah, that's
2: right. That's exactly right.
1: Because C- I remember hearing like um, American bands talking about AIM more so than MSN and stuff like that. Which is mad, considering you know they're both American companies, right? But look you at how one's yeah. more popular than the other. But you know, whatever is what it is. Yahoo so,
2: Messenger, I had for a while.
0: Can I just Yahoo say Yahoo Messenger? Oh,
2: another one. I never used Yahoo. No, thing.
0: I can't even remember that one. Yeah, I did have it one point. Good God! When I was in school, like and stuff. So originally, though, McCaff, he pitched the idea of Tribal Voice as a Native American company run by Native Americans. And as you can imagine, John wasn't a Native American. But as the company grew, they left those sort of references behind. In 2000s, in actual the year 2000, he joined the board of directors of a firewall software company called Zone Labs. And from there on, he considered himself retired. He'd written books on spirituality. He'd opened yoga retreats and, you know, just general things that retirees do, you know, just open massive retreats in tropical islands so in his early 60s that was when the turn kind of started so 2007 to 2008 brought the most serious financial crash since the great depression that's prior to the covid recession of 2020 so he had invested and built in mansions across the u.s which was in the wrong place at the wrong time because when the global recession hit the housing market plummeted which left Loads of his investments unsold, and he had various lawsuits coming in left and right from the fucking flight school, as he says. Now, the flight school, I've got something on that. So, he was in a court battle on that. So, Arizona court claims that McAfee forced his nephew, jo- uh, Joel Bitto, into instructing an illegal flight operation, encouraging people to perform low-altitude, high-speed flights over unforgiving terrain with no margin for error so he was, he's 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 battling that in court as well as like losing millions why, through these houses. Why, why would he even do that? Why why is that a thing? <laughs> it's unique, I suppose, isn't it? The, what was the motive? I what was the yeah. motive? <laughs> Life insurance. <laughs> so New York Times reported that the personal fortune declined from hundred million down to four million. But as he said, that's his business. 2009 came around and he was in Ambergris Cay in Belize and there was a CNBC special on what they called the bubble decade So he told them about the mansions and that he'd sold them and like at a massive reduced uh, I wouldn't even call it a profit And another quest that he had gone at the time which was producing plants for possible medicinal uses here on the land in Belize So I'd leave that to your imagination as to what these medicinal plants were Medical marijuana, perhaps? uh... Nah, just fucking with you. But you wouldn't put it past someone like him, would you? So, in 2010, that's when he started another company called Quorum X, and that would be headquartered in Belize. Now, this company kind of moved away from the tech industry in the aim to produce herbal antibiotics that disrupt something called quorum sensing in bacteria, and apparently that means that they could uh, destabilise the ability for bacteria to congregate, so it could possibly be used in cancer cell communications too. So he got into this by essentially bumping into this girl on the beach called Alison. I haven't written her last name down. You can find it easy online if you wish. But Alison was a microbiologist. Uh, he, She knew all the ins and outs more than he did. He was just like the face and the, the money man behind it. So Belize being a truly free place if you knew how to tame it. And sadly, he had surrounded himself by people who would say that he was becoming a bit uh, paranoid, I imagine. And that he was going to take over the country. They thought he was a madman. Like, sure things had changed, and he had changed. He'd started taking bath salts, high-end stimulants, Mm -hmm. drugs that improved the sexual experience called MDPV. He'd be awake for days at a time. At that point, he remembers saying something like, My fragile connection with the world of... My fragile connection with the world of polite society has, without a doubt, been severed. So... (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's pretty strong quote there so In he used to case, go to really? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: he used to go to a place called Lover's Bar which was near his compound where he met several women uh, who he'd become entangled with and at one point he actually had seven girlfriends at one time all of which who knew each other and all of which who tried to kill him at least once and there's interviews from these women who openly admit to attempted murder uh, of John like so they claimed that he'd want sex not for one or two hours but from morning to day that he'd get them to shit in in his mouth oh my god! that he'd god. sometimes make them fuck for a week straight and in two thousand and eighteen you can you can go back and look at this uh but there's a tweet from McAfee saying that he'd fucked a humpback whale <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's like a Oh, I remember seeing it, I haven't written the actual quote down, but it was something like, um, Oh now you're gonna tell me that fucking Hamback will there's no consent sh- no, there's no consent for that or something. So essentially he'd raped Hamback Will, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that just shows shows a little bit of his mindset a bit more. Uh, did he
1: ever did he ever have any nights out with Charlie Sheen? It sounds like he, he would have oh got gone on well. <laughs>
0: no would fucking not d Fuck I, don't, I so, don't
1: think any of them would be alive at that point, to be honest. Uh, if, if he had nights out with Charlie, well, when Charlie Sheen was at the height of his, uh, his, uh, filled well, with well, madness, yeah, his tiger's blood and all that shit. Like,
0: what year was that? Because this was about,
1: it was like 2000, well, late 2000s,
0: yeah, that was around around this time then. Oh, where, he must, have, he must have
1: done absolutely must have done calling it must have done. Well, the Charlie Sheen connection. Yeah, he must have had a night out with Charlie Sheen at some point. Sounds like a good
2: Similar worlds collide in,
0: mate. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark if there, you there, he had uh, people trying to kill him left and right. You know, his girlfriend's trying to kill him. He had uh, these random people trying to kill him as well. we we'll jump into that shortly. So, he had nobody left to trust. So, he decided to turn to the community. So, if he couldn't help the people closest to him, at least he could try and help someone, you know? So he tried to feed a bunch of locals, provide them with with jobs. He'd employed half the town and the mayor even recognised that, but that was only for a very brief time. So Alison then, who was heading his research, she, this is a quote uh, from McAfee, turned out to be far more interested in partying than doing actual work. She would not show up to the lab for days at a time. When she did show up, she was hungover and generally useless. After many months of this, I finally fired her, upon which she went berserk, locked herself in the lab and destroyed what limited research we had created, and left. This was in 2010, and they never saw that again. Now, that's a quote from John, right? I've just got to say, because there is another side to this, obviously, so that's John's retelling of the story. There's a Showtime documentary called Gringo, and that has an interview with Alison, stating that she was terrified of John's change in personality and when confronting him to quit he subsequently uh, well, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, but he subsequently raped her. John denies all of this. Alison told the FBI as soon as she returned to the uh, US, but Belize is outside of the jurisdiction, obviously, and there was nothing that could come of the investigation. I... Yeah. So, you know, the, the, there's... Nothing that can come of it, I suppose, which is like sad, you know, really fucking sad. No. There, there was no, never any justice for that, but I don't think John was really interested in uh, justice, to be fair. <laughs> fucking no. hell. So the, there was a situation where a guy had fired a gun outside one of his girlfriend's houses, so he went up there at the end of 2011 to confront the guy. Turns out he was about a quarter of his age, his age but not that that ever bothered him. So he went up there with a black air rifle... But the guy wasn't there so he told his family that he'd kill the guy if he didn't give him the gun that he used and you know some of these people aren't responsible gun owners you know so that dispute put john on a sort of path to secure in the area as as i think he'd say Uh, cleaning up making sure the community of which he employed half of was safe so he built his own police station in belize and he employed more people to start policing the area he provided them with arms uh, like automatic assault rifles Private police I guess. he set up his own police gang on like he Private even paid leash. them overtime the to patrol the streets at night to stamp out what he'd call the rampant drug dealing in uh Orange Walk I think it was called so some community members didn't really appreciate what he was trying to do but he reckons they just didn't understand the scope he said that Carmel ah oh, that's it yeah Carmela was a quiet town but They didn't know what was actually going on, you know, under under the hood, as they say. Mm, uh. So he turned Fortner gang members and cops into a sort of personal bodyguard because he thought that he was a prime target for these ex drug dealers that he was disrupting the trade of. But in real is you know, he was he was like accused of Making meth. He was accused of like essentially making a militia that would like protect him at any time from the feds and all that. One time a thug, one of his neighbours called David Millerton, tried to rob his house. He then allegedly called a guy, Tom Manga, M A N G A R. What do you manga? Yeah, yeah, Tom Manga. Yeah. And asked him to hire three people to beat Middleton up and drag him into town. Unfortunately, Manga died in the hospital, and this situation was then brought obviously to McCaff's doorstep. McAfee's doorstep there was a big pretty big time gangster called Mac 10 who was friends with Middleton he caught wind that he was being accused of hiring these guys to commit this crime and he was coming after John McCaff so he arranged a meeting with Mac 10 they sat down chatted they got it all straightened out and uh, Mac 10 and his entourage eventually ended up under McAfee's employment Mm Ah so 2012 this is where the raid from the belize pd came in and uh, i think some people may have seen that video that john mcfee's posted where he's like in his robe with all the women around him yeah so that was 2012 and uh, that was a that was a crazy year for McAfee. so the belize pd took it upon themselves to raid his house with 42 armed soldiers dressed in full riot gear carrying fully automatic weapons he was in bed with a 17-year-old girlfriend at the time. They tried to pin him with unlicensed drug manufacturing, suspected of meth, and possession of an unlicensed weapon. But, you know, the fact that he had 10 weapons and 300 rounds of ammunition confiscated was neither here nor there. So, of course, that fell through, and he was released without a charge or conviction, which is which is pretty nuts. Like, you know, I suppose... I, I don't know. If you've got, like, 10 unlicensed weapons, why can't they fucking do you for that? Yeah. But it was around that time that he would start seeing menacing figures, who he believed were the GSU, which are the Gang Suppression Unit, over the river from the compound. Uh, They would just stand there and move in. He said, uh, this is a quote as well, they come to about three feet away, stand around you still, think about it, it's freaky shit, sir. Uh, So he thought that they were after him, without a doubt, going to try and kill him. So this was also the year that he was interviewed by the magazine of American Mensa. They had the cheek to ask him if he actually used McAfee antivirus software. So he told uh-huh. them that he takes it off because it's too annoying. And that spawned the idea for the video that he'd go on to upload to YouTube. And he was actually 68 years old when he uploaded that video in 2013. Uh, the video itself, if anyone's interested, is titled uh, How to Uninstall McAf- McAfee Antivirus. And it's, it's it's pretty yeah. fucking funny video like it's funny. <laughs> so he thought that video was a hilarious statement and an exaggeration of how the media had spun the ne- negative coverage of himself. The video has hit around uh, 10 million views. I'm not sure what it's on now, it's probably in a lot more now. Uh, seriously though, you know, uh, being the developer of the first antivirus program had made him kind of the more popular hacking target out there. And the hackers would actually see it as a badge of honor. He had to go as far as to changing his IP address several times a day, getting other people to buy his equipment, using pseudonyms, things like that. He never actually used antivirus. He just changed his IP and everything so much that, you know, no one could just track it down. Like. Unfortunately, though, in November of that year, his time in Belize was done. His neighbor, an American expat, Greg Fall, was found dead in his house by gunshot. Of course, the authorities would look at John for this, uh, because even one of the PMs, Dean Barlow, called him extremely paranoid and even bonkers. So just because he told Wired in an interview that he evaded Belizean authorities because he was afraid that they'd kill him. So, you know, he's. Yeah, he was essentially just dodging that. So once threatened to shoot his dogs, uh, but he didn't actually believe he'd do it. They weren't exactly friends, but that doesn't mean he'd go out and kill the guy. One night, though, he awoke and found the dogs had been poisoned. he instantly told a reporter about it. Then a few days later, Fall was found dead. Nothing taken from his house, no sign of struggle. And John suspected that they'd come knocking on his door, trying to pin it on him, like, you know, as they had words, and his dogs turned up dead, and then Fall turned up dead. So, John then was assured... You know, he was he was determined that Fort Gregory's death was a result of mistaken identity and the Belizean government were in fact trying to assassinate him but they got the wrong address so he booked it, he ran from Belize and when the cops came knocking he buried himself in sand and covered his head in a cardboard box to hide for three hours but the uh, solid snake like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just in a, in a sandbox, like the fucking cardboard box over your head must have balls to pull that off good god but it worked but it worked uh he then went completely off grid he'd done an interview with vice and the stupid bastards gave away his location in guatemala in december so they released a photo with the metadata still attached while in guatemala he asked the cartoonist chad esley uh, to set up a blog so that he could document a story whilst he was on the run Eventually, he tried to gain political asylum in Guatemala, but, re- but he was refused and get this arrested for illegally entering Guatemala. So his asylum was denied. He was being deported back to Belize. And there he was in a Guatemalan detention center, faking two heart attacks. So his attorney had enough time to file a series of appeals to prevent his deportation back to Belize so that he could be taken back to the U.S. instead. And on December the 12th, he made his way back to the U.S. soil. Faking out attacks in a Guatemalan detention center. I, know. I bet that was yeah. something.
1: I can only imagine what like being in a prison in countries like that. <laughs> like. Must be brutal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Years later, though, he was found liable for Gregory Fall's death, but he said that he's never going to pay the twenty-five million dollars filed by Fall's family. Despite what a federal judge says, he says that I've had. 37 lawsuits in 11 years, and I haven't paid a single one, and I'm not going to start, no. So these cases are frivolous, he says. I refuse to, pay, I refuse to play the legal extortion game in, aimed at America's wealthy class. And that's a fucking cheek. I refuse to play the legal extortion game aimed at America's wealthy class. How mad have you got to be to even think that?
1: You think, though, like that, that guy's family that we got killed, was asking for money because their family member got killed. Like that—that that in itself tells me that, that. Like, I know people do get compensation when a family member dies or whatever, but demanding twenty-five million seems like you—if know, a close family member dies, you just wanted to forget about it and move on.
0: Yeah, no, no, I get it. That way, they put in a figure on Gregory Ford's debt On his you know, life, on, on, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. His, on his person, like. When I was doing insurance training, I, I recently changed jobs for, for anyone that doesn't know uh, online, but they issued like a statement uh, that had like the different prices, price tags of like people's bodies and stuff, and you could work out that it'd be like two fingers and a tooth would equal an arm and things like that within, within insurance. Fucking what? scary stuff, man. I'll try and find it. In fact, I don't know where I'll find it, but I'll give it a go. Ah. so he's never been charged with the murders by the Belizean authorities or by any other authority and he said there is a suit based entirely on media reporting December the 12th come through and he remembers that date because the night after he arrived in the US is when he first met Janice Dyson and yeah apparently she sucked like one so she was a prostitute <laughs> she was a prostitute in South Beach Miami they spent a great night together. Eventually, grew quite fond of each other and married in 2013. Where they both moved to Portland in Oregon that year. Uh, apparently, one of the first things she actually said to him, this is an interview as well, was uh, "Do you want your dick sucked? You look, you look like you could use your dick sucked." So nice lady.
2: Living up to Are her assume- name. <laughs> I, I assume she was a, a lot younger than him, judging by some of his um, things you mentioned. You mentioned he was the 17 year old at one point when he was in his 60s and whatnot, and.
0: Imagine she was a lot younger, perhaps. He's... Yeah, he lived his entire life surrounded by guns, women and drugs. You know, he said that he was clean. He said he went to AA and whether or not he drunk or not was kind of neither here nor there when it came to fucking the amount of drugs that he'd be snorting, like, you know? Yeah. So he was in his late 60s and early 70s. It was around that time when he started to be more vocal as to what the internet actually was or the beast in which it had morphed into was. So he remembers in 2014, he released an app for smartphones called Cognizant. It displayed the information about permissions of other apps installed. It was rebranded called Decentral One. The Android version was free to put out in the Google Store. So he was essentially just warning people about using smartphones, letting them know that the apps are used to spy on clueless customers who didn't read privacy user agreements. But nobody really listened, you know even went as far as to go to the DEF CON conference in Vegas to express his concerns in person in front of a real audience and it was in that year that his old house in Belize was suspiciously burnt down after a raid by the Belizean government go figure so he joined the company then called Everkey in 2016 the main focus was to provide the flaws in recent smartphone security companies like Apple and Samsung had no real defense against someone armed and determined with the right gear and knowledge so that day, then he that year, he publicly threw out a stunt that stated that he would decrypt the iPhone, but that's all it was. It was kind of a publicity stunt, I think. That was around the time where he started running for president, when he started going off all that stuff. But was that
1: he running for president? I thought that was in the build up to the twenty twenty election.
0: He ran twice. It? Yeah, he ran once in two thousand sixteen for, oh, for, okay. for the American president, and then. He ran again then for the Libertarian Party in 2020. But May 2016, he joined MGT Investments as his chief executive chairman and CEO. They wanted to rename the company after him, so that would be John McAfee, Global Technologies. But there was a dispute over the rights to his own name. Like, How crazy is that? Like, Intel essentially had the rights to his own name. So he shifted MGT's focus to cybersecurity and cryptocurrency. stating in that antivirus software is dead; it no longer works. The new paradigm is to stop the hacker from ever getting in. Makes sense. So in MGT, he had his team found a flaw uh, in the Android OS that let him read encrypted messages from WhatsApp, which was a huge blow from uh, for like Android and WhatsApp alike. So, what he did essentially to do this was send out malware infected phones to reporters. So, they disputed the legitimacy because he had infected it with malware himself so that he could access essentially a back door. And yeah, they were like, nah, that's not fair. But his point was, it's how the malware got there. That's the story. Hmm. For him to be able to put it on, like. So, in tandem with that, he was moving MGT's focus to cryptocurrencies. So he'd uh, you know he thought that he'd make the company money and they needed to understand the blockchain better in order to in order to like develop new cyber defenses. So you know as the world is leaning more towards cryptocurrency as the norm these days especially like he he saw this quite a few years back. So crypto kind of enveloped his thoughts for a while. He moved away from the CEO position in order to focus on crypto a little bit more. He tweeted a little prediction in 2017, he said that if the price of Bitcoin wouldn't jump to 500,000 within 3 years, I'll eat my own dick on national TV. So for some reason, after this, potential investors were pushing MGT to kick him to the curb. So he thought, fuck it, in 2016, he already had his hat in the ring for President of the United States with the Libertarian Party. So with his primary goal I'll be focused on cyber security because the next war won't be fought with nuclear weapons And we needed these cyber defenses So in 2019 someone asked him about taxes and this is another another quote there, actual direct quote So he contended that by saying that taxes are illegal. I told them I haven't filed a tax return since 2010 And that I was a prime target of the US Inland Revenue Service during that time I also doubled down on the he also doubled down on the Twitter prediction of Bitcoin hitting one million by the end of 2020. Little did anyone know that the predictions were just a ruse to get or like new users to join up. Like he did say that Bitcoin, and this is a quote: "Bitcoin is ancient technology with limited potential." People were paying him though to like promote their own coins. Yeah. Like, you check chuck him a few million, and he'd promote the coin, and then that same day, you know, like Elon Musk, whenever he fucking says something about anything, yeah. the, the stock's El- fucking Elon huge. Musk
1: basically controls the crypto market. Like, it's ridiculous how much one tweet from him can just uh, either make it. it rise or fall. It's it's insane, like.
0: It's not just crypto, though. It happens all over IPOs. It opens, uh, you know, yeah, shares yeah, and all that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. mental. Like-
1: it's kind of, in, it's sort of insider trading, really, when you think about yeah. it. You know, but, um, well,
0: that's it. That's why some of the authorities were after McAfee as well. Because yeah. I'm surprised they haven't pulled up mascone Like, my hair's doing my fucking nothing, boys. <laughs> the, um, so. the, the, whole, the
1: whole tax thing, though. Um, he said he hasn't filed a tax return since 2010. So was that when he was in Belize and that? All
0: yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so,
1: I know American citizens even if they don't live in america so say you no know, you're a, a registered american citizen but you live most of your life in france you've still got to pay tax to the us
0: what?
1: because that's it's fucking weird no it's the, your freedom is a privilege of the american government tom so oh my god
0: yeah <laughs> freedom isn't free
1: <laughs> yeah so you, yeah i'm pretty sure you've got to still got to pay tax towards i don't know how much but you still got to pay tax and that's what pisses off some Americans who like there's some people who like emigrate to Australia and stuff, and some of them sort of uh, renounce their uh, US citizenship in favor of their new citizenship, or even go to Canada and places like that. Yeah, well, yeah. so I, I imagine that's why because like he probably didn't have anything to do with the US for so many years, and then they're like, Oh, you didn't give us any money for he's like, Well, yeah, because I wasn't fucking there. <laughs> Which I think yeah. it, that's completely—that uh, completely uh, that is, that is fair enough. If that is the know.
0: case, then yeah, yeah, that's that's completely fair enough. Jesus, I didn't know that. How do people argue for American freedom? Oh, no, I'm not going to get into that. So <laughs> he, a whole, uh, its a whole other debate. That yeah. is. <laughs> so you also, after the after failing the 2016 election, you ran for the president campaign again uh, in 2020 from a yacht that seemed to just kind of drift around international waters. Uh, It was, yeah, just popping up all over the place via tweets and all that. So I do have a bit of a sound bite that I'd like Rich to play here.
1: I think the fundamental difference between myself and every other contender in every party is that I have no shame. Yes, I've been in jail. I've taken drugs. More drugs than you in the audience can ever fucking carry. Everything that I have done, I own. Nice.
0: So now we're moving on to, uh, to the more recent activities, which would be his arrest and his death. So in October 2020, he was arrested in Spain whilst trying to board a flight to Turkey. So he was accused of failing to file tax returns for four years by concealing assets and having his income paid into bank accounts and crypto exchange accounts in the name of nominees. So extradition from Spain to the US was authorised and he was to be sent to the U.S. to face charges. But he knew deep down that these charges were politically motivated and he intended to fight them at all costs. That, again, the political motivation, that's just paranoia kicking up again. That is, I'd say at least anyway, yeah, definitely. Would, yeah. So that was when he died. Uh, a statement from the U.S. Justice Department had said that everything indicates that he could have died by suicide. But that goes against a statement that he made saying, I am content... I have friends, the food is good, all is well. Know that if I hang myself, a la Epstein, it will be no fault of mine. But the truth, Allah Epstein, is going to remain hidden in a be a fucking fair. So, I've got a little bit more here now. I'm not sure how true this is, or it's all to do with a kind of conspiracy bullshit. Right. If you'd hear about that. So, within 30 minutes of the news of the death... Uh, Being shared there. Uh, McAfee's Instagram uploaded a capital Q on on like a white background. I knew this, I knew this. So the pictures uh, have since been deleted, but it was a reference to the possible dead man switch in which the apparent 31 plus terabytes of data incriminating people in power will be released if McAfee were to ever die, which, you know, he's going to die one time and he's kicking on. But the switch is yet to trigger, uh, if there ever was one, leaving the people to believe that he could even possibly still be alive somewhere. Mm. But he was a bluffer and a con man for, for like a lot of it. So who's to say that he went just bullshitting about the dead man switch anyway?
2: We are still waiting on his switch, aren't we? We still waiting on it.
0: Who's so,
2: to say?
1: Who's to say though that his switch has triggered? But parties have managed to suppress it getting out. Yeah.
2: That's another thing, yeah, or. that's another thing. You
1: know, there Starchy. is that possibility. He sounds batshit crazy, but, you know, that is a possibility. <laughs> so
0: so what, I, what I've said then is what he's been willing to share about his private life or what's leaked about his life when he's been alive. Uh, but now, unfortunately, he's dead. So who knows kind of what's inside Pandora's box just waiting to jump out. But I don't think him dying is going to be the last we're going to hear of John no. McAfee. No, 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 I don't think so. I think by your time with it. Yeah.
1: I think, like, you, you look at the, the whole Epstein thing. Like, after he died, so much stuff just started coming out of the woodwork, didn't it? So we might see more stuff like that. Um, maybe, like like say, maybe something, if there is a dead man switch, something will leak out of that, and some message boards somewhere. But the thing is, how do you know how legitimate things are? It's like, for, for the, his dead man switch needs to be ironclad. You know, it needs to have yeah. evidence left and right. For these different things, they need to have traces and a paper trail and all this stuff back to these people who are incriminated. And another thing is like who, like he says, people in power. So I would imagine that there's going to be like big sort of corporate corporation, uh, like U.S. corporations and CEOs, possibly presidents of countries, uh, prime ministers, uh, things like that. I mean, I would I would love it if they got some dirt on on some of the. uh, the, the MPs we have in uh, in London that'd be <laughs> yeah. fantastic. The the rate we're going
0: there, but um, let's be fair. Though, what's the most that happens? You know, there's a there's a story in the Mirror, there's a story in the Sun, and then like two weeks later, people's attention span has moved yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Well, look
2: at look at look, look at the Hancock scandal. That's more or less forgotten about now. Yeah. he just, look he at, just he exists only for memes now, didn't he? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean, that's
1: it. Like, look at Prince Andrew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 People haven't forgotten about it, but it's not like you know anything's being done about it
0: <laughs> well yeah gillian maxwell's fucking court case is uh still in proceeding now it's coming towards an end though yeah you know,
1: I, I haven't kept up with that at all to be honest that, that, yeah.
0: that's what i mean though epstein was so. all over the news but she yeah. is buried like you know they, they're mm. suppressing they're releasing bits and bobs here and there and you can find it if you look but it's not in your face like yeah. epstein was where she no. played her part uh, just as much if not more than he fucking did to be honest
1: yeah like to use the, the bloody Tory Party in in the UK as an example, you seem to get an MP that gets caught up. It's, it's like a it's a, it's a rotation. It's a, it's a revolving door that happens like every well six months or eight months it seems you get a tory mp that's caught up in a scandal and he's forced to resign he doesn't get sacked he's forced to resign and then someone takes his place and then another six to eight months down the line it happens again with another tory mp it's chopping and changing all you're thinking like these are really bad people that are in charge of our country why isn't anything being done about this (laughs) you know exactly exactly (laughs) So I would not surprise me, like if there are not just the UK government but other governments around the world that have serious dirt on them, and I, I'm looking at the US, thinking there's tons of dirt there. Oh God, I God, mean, I you know. Um, you look at places like uh, like Russia as well, tons there. I mean, we know there's tons there, but and they they know that we know there's tons of dirt there as well, and they're like, "What are you going to fucking do about it?" Like it's just like <laughs> yeah. we don't care. So
0: yeah. Well, McAfee said that like uh, in regards to the Dead Man Switch that people were actually people that he didn't like and didn't like him were actually like fighting to keep him alive because, <laughs> he because if he did, out, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah just to cover their own fucking asses like <laughs> <Kid>
1: <laughs> ass. What a what a situation to be in.
0: I would have voted for him. Fuck it. I think <laughs> I think he would have been you know, a breath of fresh air, you know? <laughs> breath of fresh air. like that time russell brand run for fucking uh prime minister breath of fresh air
1: to be fair to russell brand um he is like completely done a 180 on what he was before he's like a proper chilled out guy now. with he has like his like own a guru isn't he? yeah he has his own political <laughs> views or whatever but um like for, he had an interview recently in the last couple of weeks with ben shapiro uh, that's the most random. Like I did not expect to see Russell Brand on the Ben Shapiro show for, for a second, and vice versa, because Ben Shapiro is on Russell Brand's show as well. Two, you know, Russell Brand is left leaning, and Ben Shapiro is very hard right, and you think that's just not going to happen. But they had a very civilized conversation, and you know, Russell Brand didn't agree with everything that Ben was saying, and vice versa. But it was a civil conversation, and you. You don't get that very often in the political spectrum these no. days when it's when it's to oppose insides. Um, maybe if someone's more central, maybe that's why, maybe because Russell Brand is probably more towards the center left than he is far left, I would say. Um, maybe that's why. But you don't get it very often. And that just shows his character and how he sort of evolves, because I would have thought that Russell Brand of years gone by, you know, when he was at the height of his celebrity he would have been shouting and raving at Ben
2: Shapiro. There's several videos that I've watched recently about his sort of um, transcending to what he is now and what he was before and things like that. Mm. That aside, like the mainstream media and stuff wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. And at one point, he yeah. was popping up in like Hollywood movies, you know, voiceovers, stuff like that. Because of, I think, what he's become now though, yeah. I think he's, he's fully comfortable with being away from that yeah, as well as them just totally distancing themselves from him. That's what and he knows. That he knows yeah. he's no longer in that Hollywood bubble. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah he
0: seems he seems awake and he seems happy. Yeah, you know, totally, yeah. Yeah, totally. which that's, is basically, because, yeah.
1: basically, that's exactly what he said in that interview with uh, yeah. with Ben Shapiro. As I was like, oh, that's that's pretty good. You know,
2: to play to him. He said, yeah. "The
1: what would he say? Hollywood, Hollywood is a disease."
2: Yeah, and you can you, see that he's t- he's totally. You know happy with where he's at now though you can, oh, yeah. you can see that a
1: million times like definitely yeah. yeah what made me laugh was how they they had obviously pre-planned because you you know ben shapiro likes to squeeze in his uh his paid promotions yeah, yeah about yeah. Uh, express vpn <laughs> and they really sh- obviously shoehorned in um an express vpn ad where ben shapiro asks about his uh, his internet privacy and he's like i don't know ben what should I do about <laughs> my internet privacy? <laughs> Christ alive!
0: Oh my oh, god!
1: So blatant. But there we go. It's
0: yeah, just another example of a sponsored uh, sponsored politician, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. Good God. I mean, like, I don't know how good Russell Brand would be as a politician, but this is this is the thing. You, it's it's completely unknown, and and people choose to to vote for either party because these people are trained in politics. But what's to say that? You know, hiring someone who was a, a university professor for 25, 30 years wouldn't do a better job than Boris Johnson. Boris well, Johnson. That's
0: exactly it, like...
1: Yeah.
0: Breath of fresh air. That's what we need, I'm telling you. Exactly so that, what we need. Is Crowder and fucking... What's happening with Crowder and fucking Ethan situation? Oh, Ethan on Klein
1: and Stephen Crowder. Oh, my God, right. This is... <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of. I think the ship has sort of sailed on it now because I know there was quite a few YouTube channels of both left side and right side that really capitalized on it for you know to do the the algorithm basically did the work for them because it was a hot topic. Um, So essentially, uh, Ethan Ethan Klein asked Stephen Crowder. uh, So to to give you background on who who these people are, Stephen Crowder is um, he's a right leaning. youtuber essentially used to work for fox news um he's very much into like you know gun ownership um and all this stuff you know him from the meme he's but yeah you know him from the change my mind meme where a guy sat in the chair drinking a cup and it's got something something changed my mind that's ah that's him yeah there we go you know yeah it's Crowder. yeah Um, yeah. i
2: i didn't i didn't i didn't realize that the the meme thing was connected or whatever yeah i didn't yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah 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 um so yeah, he's very right leaning, um, and he bashes the left all the time. Very similar, uh, to Ben, someone like Ben Shapiro, or uh, they they've they've even appeared on each other's shows in the past. So, um, and then Ethan Klein then is part of a podcast called H three H three. It's a very popular podcast. Um, he used to be someone who was very sort of central and drifted to the right. But since then, he's gone like back on that completely, and he's very left and very politically correct and all this stuff. Um, and they had a bit of back and forth with Crowder about how he wears a holster when he's doing his podcasts and you know Slave calling roller. calling him names and all this stuff. And they had a bit of back and forth. And eventually, like Crowder was like, "If if you want to come on the show, then we can have a debate. Let's have a debate about you know the stuff that you disagree with what I'm saying and all this stuff." So Ethan reached out to him and said, "Yeah, let's let's do a debate and." They agreed, there was no funny business, just a straight up debate, just two people talking. You can agree, you can disagree, that's fine. It came to the debate and essentially when it came to starting the debate, well, Crowder showed what happened before the debate on his channel where it was literally those two talking for like two minutes about, you know, just life, essentially, because Crowder's wife had like, yeah, yeah, because Crowder's wife is pregnant currently and she had like a health Scare thing the other day, so they had to postpone their original date for this podcast or this debate rather um, because of that. So he was basically talking about that and you know saying because Ethan was asking him how his wife was and all this stuff. No, oh, it seemed really fine, you know, to you know people genuinely having a conversation. And then the debate started. I say debate started. Um, so Crowder starts going into uh, what was it he was going into now? I think it was. The CDC and, you know, his views on the CDC and how, uh, you know, just do it, bro, or whatever. And as he was doing that, Ethan on Ethan's end, his video feed switched to a guy called Sam Cedar. Never heard of him. So Sam Cedar is a left-leaning YouTuber who is basically the left the left version of Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro it's like, you know, a mirror for the opposite team, <laughs> essentially. And he has tried to debate Stephen Crowder for years, and supposedly Crowder has avoided him at all costs. He's avoided him at... Polit- there's a thing called Politicon. I didn't even know that existed. It's like a convention for politics and people debate and all that. God. Um, so Yeah, so he avoided him at that, and it's uh, you know, a whole other thing. So he appears on screen, and then Crowder Crowder sees this and he sarcastically shouts out. He's like, "Oh no, Sam Cedar! What a fucking nightmare like that!" Which I found quite funny that all the YouTube, like the left YouTube channels, saw that as him being serious. It's like you can clearly see he's being fucking sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, at that yeah. point. Like, um What was bef- said?
0: What said? Just as Cedar comes on the on the screen, something like. I don't know. One of his retorts or, or back to Crowder was like something about fucking Rome guys fucking each other or something.
1: Oh uh, yeah, they dress up. They dress every so often. Stephen Crowder and like his podcast crew dress up. They have like a theme. I think he right. was in reference to one of those times that they dressed up. Like the guy he has, I can't remember the guy who sits with him. He's a comedian. Like I think in the last one they did, he was dressed in drag. Just for a laugh, he's not—he's not a drag queen or anything, but he decided to do it just because. Um, I think Stephen Crowder was dressed as uh, uh, Bruce Jenner, not Caitlyn Jenner, oh, Bruce God. Jenner. Yeah, that's this is these are the type of people we're dealing with, like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sam Cedar then tries to, edge in on the debate, but Crowder was like, "No, I'm not debating you. You've just forced your way into a debate where you weren't invited to. I have no time for you. You know, this." this isn't on this i think yeah
0: so. i Yeah. You know, it, it sounds like it, you know he's, he's he, some people say it sounds like he's covered in a lot but i think what he said was um if you think you can debate me then every other ha- like hack youtuber thinks that they can also debate me and you'll have no time to do anything else
1: yeah it did fair enough, like. it did it did boil down to a bit of childish uh, childish uh, sort of like a pissing contest basically where like they were going like i'm not going to debate you because you have like only this many subscribers whereas i have five minutes it did get to that point you think oh god they're actually doing this now um but before like even before ethan joined the um the zoom call and stephen was doing a sound check because he put this out later on as well he said on camera as they were doing the sound check he's like i don't think this guy's even going to debate seriously he's probably going to surprised me with someone like that cedar hack or something <laughs> and he did he actually predicted what was going to happen before it and uh yeah that, that that was that and then since then because crowder crowder's side ended the call everyone said that he chickened out but at the end of the day they kind of ambushed him and they said oh yeah but you do the same with college students you debate college. it's like he he doesn't go up into their face and force them he actually says do you want the debate they come to him. And and they come to him, you know. So I think like I don't agree with either side of this court, to be honest. Like uh, He's a bit of a troll. He is, he very much he is a, a, troll. Bit of a troll. Like I, I don't agree with a lot of what he says. Um I agree with some, but not much. Um and he comes across as a bit of an arrogant prick as well. Yeah. Most um, right
0: people seem to
1: Oh yeah, definitely the same with Ben Shapiro. He comes across as an arrogant prick. So does what's his name? Carson daily, daily. yeah he's tucker carlson tucker carlson tucker carlson that's it that's it i don't take a daily uh tucker carlson yeah he's he's just a massive end. i just could not he's got that you know you're know, a punchable face when someone's got a punchable face uh,
0: so it looks like he's made out of plastic kind of thing right?
1: yeah, yeah yeah um well now, but that was that, that's a whole different thing man that that was like i was following that on youtube for a while and i was just like jesus just be thankful that these people are running YouTube channels, and not your fucking country. Like
0: <laughs> fully grown men arguing about views, crazy. Oh, man. I know, like Jesus, like kids. Crazy thing is, to a lot of people, that actually matters. That's that's the scary part. So yeah, pause, yeah. So I mean,
1: from a business perspective, you can understand it. If you are talking business, like uh, and YouTube is your job, then yeah you know i guess that's fair to talk about you know it's like we've got a million subscribers we want to get two million by the year because you know we'll make this much more money and then we can do this much more content they're all that jazz i can totally understand that but when you're on ca- literally on camera saying like oh you've only got you've only got like a million subscribers i've got five you're like if i can grow up like come on <laughs> jesus
0: yeah, awesome. <sighs> thank you, for, thank you for watching, everyone. We really do appreciate everyone that watches every one of these, and uh, stick around. We we'll see you next time. thank you very much. Thank you.